Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to a miniature-sized version of Buckeye Talk. We're jammed in Ari's car. We're doing a mailbag. We got lots of great questions from you guys, and we didn't get to them in the last podcast. So normally we drop every Wednesday. We are adding an extra one this week, and it's about you guys. We appreciate you reading at cleveland.com. We appreciate you listening, uh, and we appreciate the questions you send us on Twitter. Again, follow us on Twitter at BillLandis25 at Ari Wasserman, at Doug Maurice. Let's get right to the questions, because there is one that Bill got that has made him more excited than I may have ever seen him. And to be honest, <laughs> it's it's reasonable, because it's a fantastic question. Yeah, I love this question. It's from Mr. J. Poe on Twitter, whose name is John J. Poe Phillips. He asked, if colleges were allowed to trade one player a year... Who would Ohio State target this year, and who would Ohio State trade? Well, I don't know if we want to talk this year, because I don't know if we're totally familiar with all the guys who are coming back in college football. So we can talk about it last year if you guys would rather do that. Which one do you want to do? Want to do last year or this year? I mean, can, I guess maybe we can try to do both. Maybe we can do last year to warm up a little bit. Let's I do guess. last year first, and then we'll see how it goes. I feel like the positions are still going to be the same. So, but they'll get the point. Okay, we'll do last. But year. I got like a, I've got like a really good theory for this year's team. Okay, well, last year, what would what position would you trade for? I trade for a receiver. You trade for a receiver too, right, Doug? Yes, I would have traded for a receiver last year. Would you have traded for a receiver last year? I might have traded for a quarterback. Okay, let's go to there. You traded for a quarterback last year. You're trading for a quarterback. Which quarterback are you trading for, and who are you trading to get him? I would trade for Deshaun Watson. This is so made up because you just go for the best one, and I would trade a cornerback, maybe Marshawn Lattimore or um, Garyon Conley because I had a three-cornerback rotation anyway. Denzel Ward was pretty good. Get the best quarterback in the game. I feel like that would elevate you even more so than getting a wide receiver. Not that JT Barrett's bad, but if you add the best quarterback in college football, I think that automatically makes your team a lot better than it is, and I think that they would have – for the value, you can't just make up. You have to have even value. Yeah, I think having a top cornerback, Ohio State could have spared one of their top number one cornerbacks, who now are in turn going to be a first round draft pick this year to secure the best quarterback in college football. And I think that changes the team more than anything. Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. This this feels to me like when guys like call into a radio station and say, "Let's trade like our three top prospects for Mike Trout." Why would Clemson trade Deshaun Watson? Who's their quarterback? Yeah. Right, right, right. No, I know, but like, if we're gonna go the other way, then why would anybody trade anything? Because I don't know. I don't know anything to... about other teams and what they need. I'm just saying, if you're I Ohio, have, State, I have a trade. I don't think that trade goes through. I think that's vetoed by the commissioner. 
Maybe my trade wouldn't work either. Do you think Louisville would take Marshawn Lattimore and JT Barrett for Lamar Jackson? No. Lamar's too good. I don't. See, and Louisville doesn't. I mean, Louisville doesn't have a need. So on it went from what would deal. you make the trade to about whether to whether Commissioner Doug is going to approve it? Well, no, it's a good, it's a point worth making. I think trades have to be approved. It's a two way thing. Okay, so you throw JT Barrett into my deal, and I would still do it. Yeah, but I don't think Clemson. would. I don't do. know if Clemson would. You're downgrading the most important position. Well, the one thing I will For disagree with you guys has on though is like if we're playing this game. You guys were so quick to shout out receiver, then we're then I'm already right on who I would trade for if I could, which is the best quarterback in college football. You guys were like, well, let's just try. We're to- not saying you're wrong in wanting the trade for him. We're arguing that Clemson wouldn't take the trade. Okay. I mean, I'm trying to think, and, and we don't know enough about college football teams to know well who has a great backup quarterback waiting. But that's why I, I almost, does. I almost didn't, wouldn't think quarterback because you're not. You're not going to. No one's going to deal you a quarterback. So who would you trade for Mike Williams if you wanted Mike Williams from Clemson? The same thing I would, because that's Ohio State's biggest asset that they could spare to lose is one of their corners. Right. And it's probably the biggest one that Clemson could afford to lose too was a receiver. They were pretty because deep because they receiver. had. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would be more likely. Anybody would be more likely to trade their best receiver than their best player and quarterback. So I agree with you guys on that one. I just didn't think when we – I wasn't thinking when we came into this discussion about whether or not Commissioner Le Maurice was going to approve it. But I think you're correct in saying they wouldn't do that. But who who are the other Clemson – we covered Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. Who are the other good receivers? After Jordan Michael Leggett was pretty good. Well, Jordan Leggett was a tight end, and they had Artavis Scott, and they had the, uh, the slot guy. Yeah, Who called two touchdowns guy. against uh, Alabama. The heck was his name? Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. Maybe like Artavis Scott. I don't know if they give you Mike Williams, but I think that's the right idea, right? But that also is different than I think what you would do this year. Because last year you would have traded a corner to try to get a playmaker at receiver, right? Mm-hmm. You can't trade a corner this year. No. You know what you could trade? Defensive lineman? You could also trade, and let's get like futuring into this, you could trade Jeffrey Okuda. With all oh, the upside yeah. in the world, to get a stud this year to get you to the championship game, if that's he might a be fascinating question, and that's why I think this gets more fun for this year because you've got a lot of youthful talent. It's like baseball for trading for prospects, right? Right. If you trade for Jeffrey Okuda, you might be uh, there. Might be a team out there that might give you their best overall player that would fit right into what Ohio State's biggest need is, if they just for the prospect for of getting years. an NFL corner for three years. Yeah. And there's no guarantee of whether or not he's going to be that. But, like, could you imagine what kind of package you could put together if you put their top three prospects in the 17th class? Prospects? What's the return, though? What do you, what do you, what's the position? That I think if you're going to trade one, you need to get a bona fide star starter at another position. Yeah, well, what, I'm saying what's the what position? Is what does Ohio State need this year, do we think? Because I think that you want to go into this year thinking Ohio State's need is receiver anyway, right? Even though they, I think they I have take, young guys. I think that I take are a chance with the young guys. But I don't know where else you'd look. I might go for an explosive running back. Yeah. I might go for an offensive lineman. <laughs> might right tackle. I might go for a tackle. Yeah, especially if it was a guy that you could get. If, if he's not a junior, if he's a guy you could put a right tackle this year and then move him to left tackle next year when Jamarco Jones leaves. So I think. Ahead. I think if you trade for a freshman, you need to get a senior back. 
or somebody who's to, only going to be a guy who you're trading your best asset. Player. You're trading your best young asset for a plug and play starting star. Yeah. With the understanding that you are giving up three years <coughs> of Okuda to have one year of somebody who's going to go pro next year. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So if you if you got rid of Okuda, then I would think that you would try to take a right tackle who might be at an award show next year. Yeah. Like you I, might want yeah. the best one year rental you can get to put Ohio State in the playoff again. Yeah. I buy that. What do you think their position of need is, Doug? If you're packaging prospects together to get somebody back who makes you championship worthy immediately. I want to, I would want a receiver because I know we think the receivers are going to be better, but if you could get a veteran guy that you would know be, would be your number one, um, that's who I would – I'm trying to look at guys like in the Big Ten that we know. I mean, like all the good receivers in the Big Ten left. I mean, really, there's like – no like Penn State had the probably best receiving core in the Big Ten and their best receiver left, Chris Godwin. Right. Who's their next best receiver? Maybe Deshaun Hamilton. He didn't have a great year last year. Is he back? He is back, I believe, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of senior receivers in the Big Ten. Saeed Blackball is a pretty good receiver for them, too. You know who I would trade? I'd trade Nick Bosa. Because I'm worried that Nick Bosa is not going to play enough. And Nick Bosa would be, like, the best defensive player on a lot of teams, I think. And I don't think he's going to start. Yeah, and but, I think you could get by with Hubbard and Lewis and Jalen Holmes, and I just feel like for and I'm not it's not because Nick Bosa is bad. It's because I think Nick Bosa is going to be really good, and I just don't think Ohio State's going to maximize what he is in terms of playing time. Where he would he might go somewhere else and get two times the amount of snaps he's going to get at Ohio State. And if they could get a number one receiver, they'd put on the field every every play. I would do that. Yeah, I mean it depends on like what Nick Bosa is next year. Do you take teams take the idea of what his brother was and hope that that's what he becomes? Because I do think that if he becomes anything like Joey was as a sophomore, that he's going to play more than you think. I think you also have to take in consideration what happens after this year. If you trade him and then you don't have Tyquan Lewis, I'm assuming you don't have Sam Hubbard. You don't have Jalen Holmes. Right, but you have you have. Chase Young coming in in this recruiting Chase class. Chase Young, right. But I also think that you can sell out if you're trying to win a title. Yeah. And I think you could try to sell out this year with all the guys you're going to lose on the defensive line. JT as a senior. I could. I think this could be a sellout year for Ohio State. Trade trade young guys. But 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 Bosa, you wouldn't have to wait on if you got if another team got Bosa, he's plug and play for sure. Um, probably every other team in the country aside from Ohio State would step at the defensive end. Would you trade for Saquon Barkley? What would you trade for Saquon? What Penn State? What what what? At what point do you say no, Penn State, when they're offering you Saquon Barkley? I, do they have a running back behind him? Could they do that? Yeah, they have Miles Sanders, who was like the top running back in the class two years ago. Another five. Yeah, five. I would take Saquon Barkley. I might do Nick Bosa for Saquon Barkley. Was that a, would that be enough? Nick Bosa and a running back. Maybe not, because they, they have running back depth. I don't know what they How about need. you get Nick Bosa and a card that guarantees that we will drop out of the coaches that are saying, we promise you to drop out of a head-to-head recruitment of your choice. Ooh. One, oh. get out of recruitment for <laughs> Recruitment to be named later. <laughs> now we're talking like, like we're doing contracts. <laughs> and they get I to like choose. That. It's their benefit. <laughs> so even if like if Terrell Pryor's in next year's class yeah. and you're going head-to-head with them for Penn State, you Penn drop State the kid. Back off. I yeah. like it. 
You give, we'll give you. Well, let's get creative here, right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm good. in on that. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm in on that. I just don't know what receiver there would be that would be worth it, but but that's the kind of thing I think. I was looking out like I think the guy who's considered the best receiver in the country coming into this year is James Washington at Oklahoma State, who's like a huge deep ball guy. I think he. I was reading a stat about him, and I forget what it was. It was something like he like his yards per catch. Related to the number of catches he had was the best in the country. If that, like, there's guys who were average, like crazy amounts of yards on catches, but only catch one ball a game. His average was high, but he also caught like five or six balls every game. So, if Ohio State's looking for a deep ball guy, James Washington is probably the best one in the country. So, that'd be the guy I think I think you'd want to trade for if you're looking for a receiver. I think we can talk about this for a half hour. But he averaged 19.4 yards per reception last year. Okay. But anyway. He was the only guy to average that many yards while also catching at least four passes a game. Yeah, he caught like 70 balls last year. Yeah. So, but that's, um, yeah, but I mean, they were so deep at defensive back last year that you really, I mean, you could have lost Marshawn and been okay. But that obviously is, is different for Ohio State this year. Now, yeah. defensive line is the place that you could trade from. Mm-hmm. Um. Defensive end, more specifically. Yeah, yeah. I really, really like the idea of selling out for this year to lo- on only losing people that wouldn't see the field at all, like a Browning or a Kuda. Getting rid of somebody who has a ton of upside and was a five-star prospect and everybody wants, without damaging this year's team immediately. All right, let me let me spin this though. What do you think has a better chance of happening? Ohio State winning a national title this year. Or the players from the 2017 class forming the heart of a national championship team in the next two years? That's a good question. I think that the latter. I think the latter as well. I think I think the latter too. So I might be reluctant to trade. But I do think that. It, but I that. think it's debatable if you were to get the right player on this year's team. Right. If you bring back the piece, yeah. And I would just say for one year, if you added the perfect piece to this year's team, right? I think it's possible you could put them over the top. And maybe that's maybe the answer to that question again is quarterback. But I don't know what team could you get. It's definitely on offense, whatever the piece is. I like, think. is there a quarterback in the country somewhere who was like a Mitch Trubisky who plays for a team that isn't going to win a title this year? And they might not even win the ACC or one of the power conferences and would be okay to let you rent their senior quarterback with the idea of we're building something here and we want to build around this corner. I mean, maybe because you don't have to find a guy to, to fit the offense too. Cause I'm not saying maybe Deshaun Watson was too much to mm-hmm. suggest on the first go around, but I'm trying to think of like, who are the quarterbacks that you could rent next year and feel really good about yourself going in? Yeah. I don't, I don't, but it's a hard like, question. It's I, want, like, I don't want Baker Mayfield. No, I don't it's like, Baker if you have Mayfield. one and it's like, you only can get, if it's a one for one trade and you only have one, I just feel like the answer to the question of who is going to be inserted into your lineup to help you win a championship immediately has to be quarterback. Like I don't know what position Saquon Barkley would they would if you added Saquon Barkley to this year's roster coming up would you make them a, a, a championship favorite because of that one move? It's a pretty dynamic offensive playmaker that I'm not sure Ohio State has right now. Yeah, if you gave JT Barrett better receivers, I mean I think we think he'd be better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, all right, let's move on. What's the next question, Bill? Oh, you want me to dig out the other one? Okay. Uh, let's see. This is another hypothetical. Might be good later. 
Um, okay, this is a good one, because Ari, you're about to write about this guy. And this will be posted on Friday, and I think you'll have the story on Friday, too. This is from Justin Sward, Sward 67 says, if Justin Hilliard is healthy, do you think he can push Chris, Chris Worley for the Mike linebacker spot? I don't think anybody's going to push Chris Worley for that spot. I but think that's his spot. Um, we saw him play two Mike linebackers in 2014. Granted, it was Curtis Grant who hadn't done much, and it was Ray Quillen who was a budding superstar. You don't foresee a possible scenario well, where like Chris we were talking to, Mike We were talking to uh, Raekwon McMillan uh, after his pro day workout on Thursday, and somebody asked, is, is Worley a worthy replacement? He goes, is he worthy? If you go back and you watch tape, he's gonna, he had just as good of a year as I did last year, if not better. And like I don't know if he was just being overly complimentary, but I wonder if we are maybe not giving Chris Worley the amount of credit that he deserves. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if you don't come in as a five-star linebacker, even if you play really well, if you ever get the type of recognition that a guy like Raekwon did just because of preconceived notions. So if he wasn't lying, that's a pretty big thing to say. And I think that he had a really good year. I think he's versatile. And it's just, that's the one thing about Justin Hilliard. And I'm going to write the story, but it's just like, where is that spot? I don't know. Is he better than Booker? I don't know. Maybe that's a broaden the question a little bit. Is it possible? To, can he find time anywhere? Is I mean, if he's good enough, I'm sure he'll find time, but I just don't know if, taking it away from the guy that they need in the middle, and Worley is the place I would start. I think I don't he know. could be really good and not find time. Right. Which I mean, happens a lot, yeah. Worley's the linebacker's coach at the moment, in my opinion. Like, Yeah. And I think we all came around on Chris Worley by the end of the year last year, right? I, mean, I did for sure. We yeah. were, he, he totally changed. It seemed to be, yeah. We were all in on, like, that guy is like the heartbeat of the, like, Raekwon was Raekwon, but Chris Worley... On the field, Bill, I know you talked about, like, much better in coverage, I think, than any of us expected, and absolutely a leader on the team, who you knew was going to take over the defense this year. So I don't think they can take him off the field. And Jerome Baker's not going anywhere. Now, Dante Booker was hurt for a whole year, but Dante Booker a year ago, I predicted, would lead the team in tackles. I thought Dante Booker was going to have the kind of year Chris Worley had. And then he just got hurt. And, like, you were having your your – confusion a little bit about whether Mike and, and I mean, sorry, Sam or Will are yeah, going to write about that next week. And yeah. he's going to write about this, but I think that we are under appreciating how fast an athletic booker might actually be. The, the answer was there is no difference between Sam and Will. Athletic ability doesn't matter. Jerome Baker and Dante Booker are viewed as equally athletic. Which, I, which if, because like Jerome Baker is like that. a running back that returned an interception for a touchdown in his first start. So like, if he's nearly as fast or as athletic as him, that's a really dynamic linebacking core. I mean, a year ago, everybody was saying, like, Booker's a much better athlete than Perry, mm-hmm. right? Because that was sort of the comparison, that he was sort of going into Josh Perry's spot. Um, but Josh Perry wasn't as good of an athlete as Darren Lee. No. no. Josh Perry wouldn't pretend that. Josh Perry was a very good player in his own right. So that was that's a similar thing of how I thought about it. Yeah. And if you watched Josh Perry and Darren Lee, if you stood the next to each other or watched them play, you would know they're different. Nobody would argue they're the same kind of player, even though they were the two outside linebackers. So I get I get it, obviously, that outside linebacker in a lot of ways is outside linebacker, but there still has been sort of a thing here where often those two linebackers can be different. So I think it's okay for us to think that Dante Booker and Jerome Baker are a little bit different, but it does sound like Booker's losing some weight to play outside now. He's not. He certainly little. looked like it from, from my eye anyway. He looked a little slimmer. So it's just, I mean, it's just a different body type. If you're not going to be in the middle, where I think a lot of, we thought he might be the guy to replace Raekwon, 
And I think he has a naturally bigger frame, I think, than Worley. Worley, it seems like, has to put on some weight to play middle, and Booker's going to have to drop some weight to play on the outside. Yeah, it's like, and it makes yeah. you wonder why. So I think it's okay for us to think that Booker and Baker are different. Yeah. Okay, quick question, Ari. This is from James Octavius. Does Kanye have one more great album left in him? <laughs> I don't think that he has a great album left in him. I think that he is still alive somewhere underneath the monster that he has become. <laughs> and I got some faith because of the glow track. Did you like the glow track on Drake's new album? I did. I don't know it felt that. very college dropouty, and it made me feel really good. And it's like, well, there's hope that maybe there's a chance one day that he could release a record that isn't garbage. Uh, but I, my hope of Kanye returning to being the Kanye that the world fell in love with has been dead for years. Yeah. Okay, you have questions, Doug? I do. I have one um, from at Francis Zomes. Francis, Francis Parker is the name. That's the Twitter handle. This is specifically to me. What are your feelings about Superman? And I would say I love Superman. The, the football player or the comic strip? I don't like Superman the comic strip really yeah. at all. I'm a Batman guy. Yeah, same. Um, but Superman, Eric Lever Williams, everybody knows how I feel about that. Thank you for asking, though, so I could say, Superman! <laughs> Here's a good question, I think, from at uh, Andrew underscore Ardle underscore. Nick Bosa was underwhelming last year compared to Joey's freshman season. Could we see a sophomore season like Joey's? Which is basically what Ari had just said. Uh, Nick Bosa was coming off an ACL. So he, what, those guys take, they they can play, but I think they were careful with him early on. They said it. They didn't play him as many snaps. They were careful with him. And he was in a rotation. And Joey just stormed to a starting job and took advantage of an Adolphus Washington injury. So I don't think it's exactly a fair comparison, but let's move on to what we think he's going to be as a sophomore. Ari, you talked about it. What do you think Nick Bose is going to do this year? I think he's going to be a very good defensive end, but I kind of think I... I see what you were talking about as like a productive guy who is always well-rested in the rotation, maybe 30 snaps a game, um, pressures the quarterback, has an impact, but isn't necessarily Joey as a sophomore. Joey as a sophomore helped them win a championship because he was just unblockable, and I don't usually like to predict that that's what something's going to look like until I get a hint or see that that's what's going to look like, and I think Nick Bosa had a pretty good freshman year considering the injury he came off of, but I don't know if... He's top three pick in the NFL draft good just yet. So I, I think, you know, I think he's going to have a pretty good year, but I don't think he's going to be the reason Ohio State goes to the championship game like his older brother was. There was a time last year before this before the season started where, like, I knew Nick Bosa was injured and they'd work him in slowly, but in my head he would eventually, I think, surpass Tyquan Lewis. Because I'm going to be honest, I like never I didn't think very highly of Tyquan Lewis. And then he was the Big Ten defensive lineman of the year and was awesome at the end, like, especially in the Michigan game. And I think you wrote about it, like, had like a, just a knack for making huge plays in big games. And he's back. And Sam Hubbard's back. And Jalen Holmes is back. I don't know how Nick Bosa has enough snaps out there for him to have anything approaching what Joey's sophomore season was. That doesn't mean he can't be as impactful, I guess, when he is on the field. I think 40 field. snaps a game was too high. Is too high. What did I say, 30 or 40? I think if, I don't even know what the average number of snaps is in a college game. 70, 70 something? 75. Yeah. So, so he'll probably be playing 25 snaps. 25 to 20. 30 a game. Yeah. Unless they move him inside, which like I think we all think they should do, but I don't know if they're going to and he doesn't want to. But if he's that good and has to be on the field and Tyquan Lewis can't come off, and I'm assuming Sam Hubbard can't and Jalen Holmes needs to play too, 
I don't know what you do other than rotate the four defensive I mean, they'll play all four on third downs, again, right? in that Rushman look where they have four defensive ends on the field. And that is, sorry to cut you off, that is something they're comfortable using, not just on third down. Like Larry right. Johnson made that clear last year. So, <clears throat> let me ask this question. Do you think it's possible Nick Bosa is Ohio State's best defensive lineman this, this season? Yes. I think I would like go a step further and say that it's. I think it's likely that he's the he's their best. That he'll be a lineup. better college football player this season than Tyquan Lewis, Sam Hubbard, and Jalen Holmes. Mm-hmm. Ari, um, I do think it's possible. So if he is that, then how much should he play? See, the thing that was interesting, um, I think, is just the idea of does. Urban Meyer ever bench a senior or an upperclassman who's good and has been very good for a long time for this team in favor of a more talented young player. And I don't know if we have very many examples of it, maybe outside of Joey Bosa taking Adolphus Washington's spot when Adolphus Washington got injured. But I was talking to some people who, um, you know, are familiar with the NFL draft and, and, and stuff, and they're like, how on earth could Tyvis Powell ever play in front of Malik Hooker? And it's like, well, it's possible that Malik Hooker didn't know how to play two years ago because he was still very... <coughs> but it's also possible that Malik Hooker was better than Tyvis Powell, but Tyvis Powell earned his spot and wasn't going to lose it. And the question I have for you guys is, do you think Urban Meyer is capable of getting that switched up a little bit and putting a better youthful player ahead of a very productive guy like Sam Hubbard? Like, is it possible that Joey Bosa is better than Sam Hubbard next year, but in a world, could you guys imagine... Hubbard losing his spot? And it's an interesting comparison. Hmm. I mean, the thing is, we didn't see Malik Hooker because they didn't rotate at safety and right. let him flash and put in three safeties on third down and Malik Hooker was in the game. Um, but the idea that like Malik Hooker is like the best people that the best safety that people have seen in college in years, and he only started for one year, you make an interesting point that that Maybe that's a really good comparison. It's just we didn't see it, so we didn't worry about it. But we've seen Nick Bosa. But again, yeah, who's going to lose time? Or is, if, is Urban Meyer capable of flipping the depth chart? What about putting somebody like Hubbard on the bench? What about this? Because I think we talk, we might have talked about this on Wednesday. And the assistant coaches essentially like being afraid to make Urban Meyer angry. So I can't even envision a world where Chris Ash would go to Urban Meyer and say, listen, Malik Hooker's got to play time as Pal can't play. I can envision a world in which Greg Schiano goes to Urban Meyer and says, Nick Bosa's got to play. More than Tyquan Lewis, more than Sam Hubbard, more than Jalen Holmes. I think Schiano carries that kind of weight. I think Schiano is not going to back down from Urban Meyer in any way because he doesn't have to. He is, again, doing Urban Meyer a favor by being his defensive coordinator. He doesn't have to, be, doesn't have, to have this job this year. I think if Shiano felt that strongly about it, he would approach Urban and ask him to make the change, and or we, just make the change himself. And we've because we've seen evidence. I mean, Von Bell—he was a freshman; he wasn't a sophomore. But Von Bell—they could have played earlier in 2013, and they waited, 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 kept him behind an older guy, and they finally put Von Bell in, in the bowl game. And everybody was like, "Why didn't this guy play earlier?" So they have had, maybe to their credit, I don't know. They have been maybe slow to do that. So I think you guys, I think, Ari, you make a good point. And I think, Bill, I, I also agree that that's possible that the Shiano factor could influence that. And also we would like to say, in case the families of Jalen Holmes, Sam Hubbard, or Tyquan Lewis are listening, 
we don't know for sure that Nick Bosa is better than them. No. We just know that Nick Bosa was is a really good player who was coming off an ACL and played fewer snaps in his freshman year because of that. Um, but I think they're all going to get it. Right? Do you think they'll have a pretty open competition in camp to decide what that pecking order should be? I think they should. I don't. I actually don't know if they will. I mean, you get the returning Big Ten defensive lineman of the year at one defensive. If he's spot. anything like Joey, he's going to play. He's going to play, think, but I guess the well, question I mean, like, is already, play more than. Yeah, that's the question. If already. he's anything like Joey, then I think that they are capable of putting a guy like Hubbard back. And it's not yeah. not that and they would never Hubbard, play. Yeah, right, right. Just it's less. just like to flip the script on the reps amount. Yeah, if you have somebody who's literally going to be. If he's anything like Joey Bosa was as a sophomore, and I, we can't escape the comparison because they're brothers and they've got the same last name and they're like identical. That guy was a top three pick in the NFL draft. How could you possibly? That's going to turn potentially turn an entire NFL franchise around. There's no you have no choice but to play him as much as possible. If he's anything like that, yeah, I agree with that. Any more questions back there? Not really. I have one more. It's kind of it's hard to answer. We're in almost the 30 minutes. I have uh, I had another question from Mr. J. Poe who asked the trade question, and this is a more uh, a question that's grounded in reality. Is the day of a 1,000-yard receiver at Ohio, Shoe, or at Ohio State over? I don't know if that day ever existed, <laughs> to be honest. Well, I mean, it existed like with David Boston and Terry right. Glenn and, and guys like that. Um, I mean, I would... Uh, I mean, I think it can exist. Who was a leading receiver in 06, Doug? I, you, I thought you um, Ted Ginn. I mean, we can look this up. I'm looking up records. You guys talk about it. I mean, I think it can exist in a world where, like, there's one star receiver. That, that you know, if Curtis Samuel, how many yards did Curtis Samuel have? He had 700, 700 didn't he? 700 something, yeah. Or no, was, 800, I believe. So, I mean, I think there, it's that kind of thing where it's like it's so obviously the go-to guy. You know, I think I think we're not going to have a a passing attack that rivals these teams that put up, you know, 500 passing yards a game or whatever. Um, Urban Meyer, the, the one thing that the 2015 season proved to me when they tried to play Cardell Jones and didn't know what to do with him, is that Urban Meyer must have a quarterback who can run a planned running game, a zone read run game. He cannot have a quarterback who can't do that. That was not Cardell Jones' strength, and they didn't know what to do. So I think they're always good. They want to be 250-250. That's 250 passing yards, 250 rushing yards. Ryan Day brought that up the other day. They talk about that. Urban talks about it all the time. But I think it's always going to lean toward the run. And Urban Meyer arrived here with people asking, will you ever have a 1,000-yard running back? Now he has a 1,000-yard running back every year, and people are asking, will you ever have a 1,000-yard receiver? I have some stats. In the entire history of Ohio State football, there have been 4,000-yard receiving seasons. David Boston in 98, Terry Glenn in 95, Chris Carter in 86, and the last one was Michael Jenkins in 2002, had 1,076 receiving yards. Who's, who has the most since Michael Jenkins? The most Did, since? Like, San Antonio Holmes have, like, a 900-yard year in there? Or? I'm pulling it up. Like, here. DeVere Posey, Because in 06, I just looked up 
both uh, Ted Ginn Jr. and Anthony Gonzalez both had in the mid-700s. The most I, since Michael Jenkins was Dane Sanzenbacher, 948, in that's 2010. That's pretty good. 55, Terrell, Terrell 55 catches, to him. 948 yards. That was a pretty good, that was a good offense. Terrell Pryor throwing to Dane Sanzenbacher and Devere Posey. Um, that was a pretty good team. I don't know. I mean, it's silly. And again, this is why, I mean, I sort of made fun of it when it happened last year. Everybody went nuts about JT Barrett. What did JT Barrett do? He set broke some every record. passing record. Yeah. But he set some record at Ohio State. But it was like he ranked in like 180th in NCAA history. And it's like, well, any passing record at Ohio State is like, well, they didn't pass. <laughs> they didn't pass for like the first 100 years of their existence. Yeah. And now, like when Texas Tech and Baylor and all these schools are, are going crazy, I mean, they are not that. They run their own version of a spread, but it's not that version of a spread. So th- their passing numbers, to be a good passer and a good receiver to Ohio State, it's not the same as being it, at least statistically, statistically I'm talking, it's not the same as it, at many other schools. Yeah, I don't think it happens as long as Ever Meyer's the head coach. I think they run it too much. They like spreading it around too much. They have if yet. This was ever going to happen. It could have been Devin Smith. Well, I mean, I mean, you look at this recruit. Like, they ha- have yet to recruit as good as Michael Thomas was. They have yet to recruit that receiver who, like, you just throw in the ball and he. Ca- he has and there's like guys there. on this roster or people coming in that could be that. So, like, is Trayvon Grimes that? Yeah, Trayvon eventually? Grimes is the one that came to my mind. It, but I don't know if they'll ever not run enough. I mean, you got to have eighty to hundred yards a game to get there. So, and. Honestly, Michael Thomas was the best rookie receiver in the NFL last year. And in 2015, they did not throw him the ball enough. 56 catches for 781 yards. I mean, that is not enough. 56 catches for a guy who we all knew was going to do exactly what he did in the NFL. I mean, he was the best rookie receiver in the NFL, 56 catches. And that's part of why he lasted as long in the draft, I think, because his numbers didn't measure up to – Guys putting up 1,300-yard seasons. Can I, All right, you guys talk. Find one more question. I, I'm going to look this up real quick. Okay. I had, a, I had a JT Barrett question, but I don't know. You want to guess JT Barrett's stat line for next year? Completion percentage, pass yards, touchdowns, interceptions. Someone asked last year if he would throw for 3,000 yards, and I think I said yes. And what did he throw for? Not 3,000 yards. we got to look that up. <laughs> I think he threw for... 2,000-something. It was 2,000-something. All right, I'm going to ask you guys a trivia question. Okay. Now, I'm going back to 2015 because this is a Michael Thomas comparison. How many receivers in college football had 1,000 receiving yards in 2015? 26. 12. 38. Wow. What'd you that say? was 26 and 12 is 38 yeah, if you go. put our answers together. So we were right. So that's the world, man. That's the world that Ohio State is living in, that they are just they're playing a different game. Michael Thomas was 83rd in the country in receiving yards right. with 781. And then the next year he was the best rookie receiver in the NFL. So, Okay, let's talk about this JT Barrett thing. The question was from Justin Adams. And he asked us to predict our predictions for complete percentage, pass yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. I don't know if we need to go that deep. But I'll read you. So 2014, which was his best year, he completed 64% of his passes, 2,800 yards, 34 touchdowns. 
I'll take out 15 because that was a disaster. Last year, full-time starter, 61% of his passes, 2,500 yards, 24 touchdowns. So his completion percentage was three percentage points lower. His total passing yards was 300 yards lower, and his passing touchdowns were down by 10 touchdowns. And what were his picks in 14 and 16? 10 interceptions and 14, 7 interceptions and 16. So they were that was better. All right, I'm going to go on the record with double-digit interceptions for JT Barrett in 2017, and that's a good that's a thing. thing. I'm going to go on record with a lower completion percentage than this year. I'll say his completion percentage will be 60% instead of 61 and a half, and I will put him down for a 3,000-yard passing season. I feel so like you just – that was like a very – that is good news. That's if throwing more – more, he's going to let it go. How many more, touchdowns? Not 34. That 34 was kind of a lot. Uh, I don't know, 30, 32? Because like, that's what I was thinking. More interceptions. Lower completion percentage. Lower completion percentage because yeah, of the interceptions. Production. More yards and more touchdowns than last year. If they want to throw down the field. They're gonna have. They're gonna throw a couple picks and have a lower completion. That, percentage. But, but yeah, you're not gonna complete those as often as anything else that you do. Those are the lowest percentages of plays you can run in football. So, um, I mean, I I think something like 55 percent completion rating, 2,800 to 3,200 yards passing, and 25 to 30 uh, touchdowns. I think would be fair. In 2014, his completion percentage was better. It was three three percentage points better, and his yards per attempt was also much higher in that year too which I guess goes against a little bit of what you're saying, but his interceptions are up. Take riskier, make, make riskier throws, you're going to throw more interceptions. I don't think, even if his interceptions go up, I don't think he has to have a 3,000-yard, 30-touchdown season and see his completion percentage suffer because of that. I think he still might be around 63, 64, 65% completions, only because, like, Kevin Wilson's really good at designing plays that get guys open. I don't know how many tough, contested throws JT Barrett's going to have to make. He has to make them more. For them to be successful, we all agree on that. But I think his completion percentage can be similar to what it was in 14, and his production still be better than it has been at any other point in his career. All right, let's play uh, trivia time again before we go. Okay. How many college football quarterbacks had 3,000 passing yards last year? 61. Play along at home, by the way. 47. 37. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be outrageous. That's why I went high. And JT Barrett... Guess where he ranked in the nation? He had, it's according to this. It should be 2555. Yeah, 2,555 passing yards. So where did that rank? 97th. 81. 58th. No, no. Is, which is not as bad as we would think. Right. So he was 58th in the country in, in passing yards. Um, if he has a 3,000 yard year, he'll be something more like 35th or 40th. So I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to see. How 50 is good. In my mind, anyway. And again, it's just uh, some teams are playing a different sport. Patrick Mahomes had 5,000 passing yards. <laughs> Mahomes. He had like 700 in a game, though. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. Know. But there were uh, there were eight guys above 4,000. And, I mean, they're just from that kind of offense. It's the Mike Leach kind of stuff. So, Mike Leach's quarterback at Washington State was number four. Um, anyway, all right, is that it? I think that's yeah, it. That's was that actually going to keep 40 minutes short? pretty good. That was bonus. That was a bonus Buckeye talk. Bonus coverage. Mailbag. Bonus. Uh, 
read our stuff from Pro Day. Pro Day was Thursday with lots of stuff that you can read on the website at cleveland.com. Spring football continues next week. Um, Urban Meyer on Tuesday. We'll have other uh, players and assistant coaches to talk to on Thursday. So, as always, thank you for reading us. Thank you for tweeting us. And thank you for listening to us. For Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.